During the process of making this podcast, we noticed a need for more open dialogue across the fashion supply chain. We want to do our part to try and facilitate more of it. So we came up with Loose Threads, new mini episodes of anonymous Q&A tying candid questions to honest answers. In addition to the normal podcast episodes we released every Tuesday, you can now tune in every other Wednesday for new editions of Loose Threads. And don't forget to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a question you'd like to anonymously ask someone further down the supply chain? Submit it on our website, www.manufacturedpodcast.com slash loose threads. If you're a supplier interested in anonymously answering questions and anonymously connecting with other suppliers working on sustainability issues, we'd love to hear from you and please get in touch via our website. The question we are addressing today is one that's especially timely given the sweeping order cancellations the fashion supply chain has experienced in the wake of global pandemic. And in the context of the searing new report published by the Workers' Rights Consortium and ECCHR about contract terms in the fashion supply chain. We definitely recommend reading it in full, and we've got a link to it in our Instagram bio. You can find it at manufactured underscore podcast. So, without further delay, here is the question. I would be interested to hear more about the payment terms in the industry, how these have evolved over the years, and what suppliers consider as favorable or good payment terms, i.e. that gives them financial security. This was a question that prompted a lot of discussion. So instead of reading the answers separately, we're going to try and share snippets of the conversation. One of the first suppliers to respond said, I think we need more legal recourse and better contracts which level the playing field. The risk on the supplier side is paying upfront capital for goods or investments, which is paid by future business. A proper legal structure where a supplier can easily sue a brand for breaking contracts could be a solution. We need an international legal system with teeth. If one party knows a contract they sign isn't meaningful and they can shirk their responsibility, then of course signing anything is just a formality. If two businesses in the USA or Europe renege on a contract, there is a clear legal recourse. The same can't be said about international trade in other parts of the world. Here, I think comparative trade theory is relevant, but perhaps what is lacking from that discourse is comparative power balances. In episode 3, we actually talked about exactly this problem with factory owner Pete Houghton. He describes how his customer, a brand, forced him to agree to new contract terms. He describes effectively being powerless. Technically, he could have sued, but it would have bankrupted him. His customer knew that and took advantage of it. Another supplier said, we strictly do business with letter of credit or advanced payment basis. Another responded, I'd agree. Some advance upfront is the best way, even if it's a small amount, say 10%. It has been historically successful in Bangladesh, not only in terms of security, but factories go out of their way to ensure future orders with such a customer. But this respondent also adds, The country's overall position plays a big role in setting payment terms. See, letter of credit is a legally binding contract. But what do we do when the brand wants to cancel an order and simply doesn't send authorized third-party inspectors to audited goods? If we deny and goods don't go, it would seem we didn't comply with the letter of credit terms. 
Someone might wonder why the factory's bank doesn't complain to the buyer's bank. But a poor country like Bangladesh never holds the upper hand in such situations. We have to willingly give in to the manipulation of foreign banks, otherwise risk our banks as a business. This is interesting, too, as it resonates with a lot of what we explored in episode one of this podcast when we looked at, Jesse, at your time with a third-party inspection company. Some suppliers took a slightly different angle for answering the question, and instead of focusing on the details of the terms, highlighted the need for suppliers to work together. For example, one supplier said, it will be a collective effort to show that it is a bad order term. Another respondent chimed in, if another supplier takes the order, then we lose out. Either the brands need to take responsibility for recognizing poor payment terms for their manufacturers, or manufacturers need a collective agreement to not accept such terms. I wonder if the latter could be considered monopolistic behavior, like a cartel. Others were more skeptical of collaboration, saying things like, a contract would mean competitors coming together. A legal agreement always needs government's intervention. Brands would retaliate. Maybe by using unions to put pressure on government, as they fund the labor associations. It's happening in Bangladesh all the time. This respondent goes on to suggest a different kind of collaboration model. See, open public review on Facebook has let customers choose the restaurant with the best review, a platform where factories can do the same about brands would bring similar outcome. Mostly factories accept to work with popular brands overlooking bad payment terms because they think it's all formalities and lack information. Is an owner really that stupid to work with a buyer that kills suppliers? No, he just doesn't know the brand's previous transaction history or about certain corrupt employees of sourcing offices. The same supplier goes on to say, I wouldn't necessarily give the right information about brands. My admissions of brands' wrongdoings would be held against me. Also, there's no harm in misleading my competition, right? So, my personal opinion is that any collaboration has to be anonymous. At this point, another supplier chimes in with still a different view, connecting audits to payment terms. The respondent says, The auditing and the payment terms are, in my view, heavily connected. The auditing is a paper trail of CMY, cover my ass, but not intended to take real responsibility but forced upon the legal compliance department of the brands, just to make sure that if anything goes bad, they can show that it is not them, but us. That's the problem. The same is true for payment terms. For the bigger brands, the complete ignorance of their responsibility to have indeed a good relationship with suppliers is manifest. We have seen this during the last months. We are working with payment terms for some of our customers far over four months after delivery. We can use factoring that costs us another fee because we need the money earlier than four months after delivery. Working capital is tied up six to seven months. Why are brands not audited upon their performance in this area and only push this principle downstream? Be clear, I am not a big fan of audits, but if we want to create a more equal playing field, some accountability should take place, which includes the way prices and payment terms are set. This is key in my view. The consumer will need an easy way to check how the brands are dealing with their suppliers, not only through the sustainable talk on their websites. Just thinking out loud, suppliers could think about a ranking the stars or ranking the brands 
based on a couple of criteria, like payment terms, flexibility in volatile times, whether brands force suppliers to do brand-specific audits or accept a general industry standard type of audit, meaning that we don't have to be audited by lots of different companies all the time. Transparency about how brands manage their supply chain and also transparency about how they communicate to the outside world about that supply chain. But the challenge is I think suppliers will be conscious about contacting each other when they get potential orders from brands. You might be in direct competition. That is the difficulty. In response to the conversation about ratings, someone else said, I used to think ranking brands would help suppliers better choose their customer. I thought the Hague BRM, Brand Retailer Module, would help this. Now, working on the manufacturing side, I'm less optimistic about such rankings. I think market for textile manufacturing is saturated, which means buyer's market. If there were more buyers than manufacturers, then buyers would compete with each other for manufacturing partners rather than manufacturers competing for business. Maybe we need to bring back the golden age of quota system. And I think this thought from a supplier close out the conversation quite nicely. As always, there is not one solution. Different approaches should be tried at the same time. I think the ranking is done by suppliers, but meant for consumers. The only way to influence brands is through consumers or directly infecting shareholders' value. Brands are very aware of reputational risk. If suppliers collectively come to a system where the consumers can find out how the different brands deal with them and make, the, and make that accessible, that could be very useful. This should be anonymous, of course. Otherwise, suppliers would be afraid and it should be verifiable at the same time. And yes, a supplier network is another thing that could work and should be explored. Suppliers are most of the time lone wolves in the desert, trying to get some shelter, but with hardly anybody recognizing their dilemmas and risks. Suppliers have no access to the individual customer, so this is what needs to be organized. If you're interested in learning more about purchasing practices, Better Buying has some great resources worth checking out. As always, we want to close this mini-episode by reiterating that there is always more than one way to answer a question, and truth is never singular. But our task as people who want to change this industry is to try and piece them all together into a bigger picture. We chose to share these answers today because they represent a point of view often missing from this picture. We hope this anonymous Q&A gave you some food for thought. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And once again, if you have a question you would like to have answered, ask it anonymously on www.manufacturedpodcast.com slash lose threads. If you are a supplier interested anonymously answering questions and anonymously connecting with other suppliers working on sustainability issues, you can also get in touch with us via our website.